morning to each of you. It's good. It's been very good to have been here this morning. And thank you to each of you that have had part so far, the songs and the uh, Sunday school teachers, the devotional. A lot of it has kind of coincides very well with, with what I want to share this morning. And first of all, Merry Christmas, everyone. We're almost at Christmas time. We're, it's an exciting time of year with lots of food and family events and special activities. And um, I don't necessarily have a Christmas sermon today, but there will be themes of Christmas throughout it. And uh, I want to touch on Christ's birth and share some some song or some verses. And we'll be singing a few songs as we go through this. But with being in the middle of the Christmas season, I thought for myself, it's and hopefully for all of us, it's worth looking again at who who is Jesus. Um, sometimes I get distracted and um, lose focus on what this. What, what are we celebrating this time of year? What's this all about? And the, the reality is we're celebrating a miraculous birth of a Savior that went from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt. And that's just the beginning of the story of Jesus on this earth. And he, we, we hopefully will touch on a few of those events um, of Jesus' life on this earth as we go through this today. There's a million different directions we could go here, but I thought we'd just look at little snapshots of Jesus while he was on the earth, just to remind ourselves that the, the birth of Jesus is so much more than just the birth of Jesus. It is the beginning to his life here and his death, ultimately a horrible death, but that's not the end. The, the wonderful part of the story is his resurrection and his exaltation. Today, we know he's in heaven interceding for us. So you probably won't really hear anything new today, but my prayer is that we can use this time to be drawn closer to to Jesus, the King of Kings. And as we look at these different parts of his life, um, that we can glorify him more fully and exalt his name um, in a much, maybe in a greater way than we, we ever have before. Um, so I'd like to, for an opening text, read from Colossians 1, verses 15 through 20. So if you want to turn to that and we'll read that. And I thought this passage kind of summarizes well a few of these points that I want to bring out today on his birth, his death, and his, his exaltation. So let's read starting in Colossians 1 verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So we just read some verses, and I'll just quickly point out, it's kind of a new thought for me that came to me studying for this, was that Jesus is the creator of, of the world. And I've always thought of God. God created the world, which he did. And obviously we know God and Jesus and Spirit, they're three in one. But there's verses that really, and in here we can see, that really point out that Jesus was very instrumental in creating the world. It says that God created the world through him. And I found a quote that said, Jesus was God the Father's agent involved in creating everything in the in the universe. So everything that we see was created through Jesus Christ. God created the world through Jesus. And an amazing thought was 
or that came to me, or that a song actually that I've listened to many times through the years that helped me remind helped remind me of this is Jesus created the very tree that was turned into a cross that he ended up getting crucified on, and he created the very people that ended up crucifying him. The next thing I want to focus on a little bit here is the prophecies of Jesus. So there are many prophecies of Jesus in the Old Testament. Um, I did just a little bit of research, found from what I saw or found that there could possibly be as many as 574 prophecies that were fulfilled when Jesus came to the earth. Probably for an, a conservative estimate, for sure 300, but up to upwards of close to 600. Um, I came across an article, and I've heard this before. For some reason, Randy, I'm thinking you read this somewhere, and so I, I'm not sure where I heard it, but I'm pretty sure it was you. And maybe you guys have all heard this article before, but I thought it was fascinating. Uh, I'm just going to read it. Some scholars believe there are more than 300 prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament. These prophecies are specific enough that the mathematical probability of Jesus fulfilling even a handful of them, let alone all of them, is staggeringly improbable, if not impossible. So it's going on to say here that this guy is the chairman of, of, I'll just read it, Peter Stoner, chairman of the Departments of Mathematics and Astronomy at Pasadena College, was passionate about biblical prophecies. With 600 students from the InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, Stoner looked at eight specific prophecies about Jesus. They came up with extremely conservative probabilities for each one being fulfilled and then considered the likelihood of Jesus fulfilling all eight of those prophecies. So we're just talking about eight here. The conclusion to his research was staggering. The prospect that anyone would satisfy those eight prophecies was just one in 10 to the 17th power. And I looked up 1 in 10 to the 17th power, and there's 15 zeros behind 10. I don't know what that number would be, but it's a lot. In Science Speaks, he described it like this. So he's breaking it down for us so we can understand it. Let us try to visualize this chance. If you mark one of 10 tickets and place all of the tickets in a hat and thoroughly stir them and then ask a blindfolded man to draw one, this chance of getting the right ticket is 1 in 10. Suppose that we take 10 to the 17th power silver dollars and lay them on the face of Texas. They will cover all the state two feet deep. Now mark one of these silver dollars and stir the whole mass thoroughly all over the state. Blindfold a man and tell him that he can travel as far as he wishes, but he must pick up one silver dollar and say that this is the right one. What chance would he have of getting the right one? Just the same chance that the prophets would have had of writing these eight prophecies and having them all come true in any one man from their day to the present time, providing they wrote using their own wisdom. Impossible. And as we know, as you guys know, Matt and Sarah, Texas is a huge place. There's absolutely no possible way that this could have happened by chance. I think for the sake of time, we'll skip. I was going to sing O Come, O Come. Ah, let's sing it. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. I'd like to sing this song. It goes very well with just asking God to um, send the Redeemer to us. It's found in it's number 204 in your songbooks. If you guys don't mind, please stand as we sing this. Let's sing verses 1 and 4. And as we know, Jesus did come. And that's what we're celebrating this time of year. Um, for centuries, Jewish historians predicted five prophecies that would occur to confirm the Messiah's birth. And there's verses that we could look up that describe all these prophecies and them being fulfilled. But I think I'll just read a few these five. So number one was the child must be a direct descendant of King David. The child's, must, the child's mother must be a virgin. The baby will be born in the city of Bethlehem. Powerful people 
will travel from far to worship him, and that a great star will rise. And the last three here are actually fulfilled in Matthew 2, verses 1 and 2, what you read this morning, Brian. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we, for we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. So there we see that he was born in Bethlehem. The wise men, or the powerful people, or the wise people, came from to visit him, and they saw the star, and they followed it to uh, find him. As we know, Jesus didn't stay a baby for longer than babies stay small. Finding that out in a hurry with my little guy. But he grew up, and he became a man. And he suffered and experienced and felt all the things that we feel in our lives. He felt pain. He felt heat. He felt suffering. The Bible says that he experienced everything the same way that he experienced every trial that we as humans go through. And what was the world like when Jesus came? Life expectancy, I found somewhere it said that life expectancy was less than 40 years for an adult. A human life was worth very little. It was a cruel, rough time to come into the world. And I'm reading Bill O'Reilly's Killing Jesus book the last while. I've been kind of working my way through that. If you haven't read that, fascinating. I would highly encourage you to find it and read it. But there's a there's a quote in there about the... This is a quote from journalist Vermont Royster that he wrote in 1949, kind of of the world that Jesus came into. And I'll just read this. There was oppression. For those who were not the friends of Tiberius Caesar, what was man for but to serve Caesar? There was persecution of men who dared think differently, who heard strange voices or read strange manuscripts. There was enslavement of men whose tribes came not from Rome, disdain for those who did not have the familiar visage. And most of all, there was contempt for human life. What to the strong was one man more or less in a crowded world? Then, of a sudden, there was a light in the world, and a man from Galilee saying, Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. And the voice from Galilee, which would defy Caesar, offered a new kingdom, in which each man could walk upright and bow to none but his God. So the light came into this world, and the men who lived in darkness were afraid, and they tried to lower a curtain, so that man who still so that man would still believe that salvation lay with only the leaders. But it came to pass for a while in diverse places that the truth did set men free, although the men of darkness were offended and they tried to put out the light. So it was a tough, tough world for Jesus to come into. And I, I, I've heard ex- described or explained that it was probably one of the most difficult times in human existence for Jesus to show up. And the Roman world that was dominating society was a very cruel world and they devised forms of death that were probably some of the most cruel ways for a human to put a human to death that have ever been devised and into this world steps Jesus to sacrifice his own life and as we know he did sacrifice his life he gave himself for us he suffered one of the most horrendous forms of crucifix or of death and crucifixion that have ever been created Philippians 2.8, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And likely even worse than the physical suffering that Jesus went through was the, the mental anguish that he experienced, knowing he has to take the sins of the entire world on himself. A few years ago, when I was in Israel, I went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and there's still trees there, olive trees, I think they're olive trees that they 
think very likely were there during the time of, of when Jesus was, was in that garden and possibly even prayed underneath these trees. There's a small grove that you, I don't think I was able to go into there, but you can see them. You can go right up to them. And there's a, there's a plaque there in front of those trees that, that has a verse on it. It's Matthew 26, 39. It says, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And I was going through a really difficult time in my life when I was there. And I'll just read the, ver- the words that are written below this verse. It says, O oh Jesus, in deepest night and agony, you spoke these words of trust and surrender to God the Father in Gethsemane. In love and gratitude, I want to say in times of fear and distress, my Father, I do not understand you, but I trust you. And I guess what I want to share today is Jesus understands if you're going through a difficult time. He felt those same things that we go through in our lives. And I was really in a, in a difficult place. I'd gone through some very difficult things. And that Jesus suffering for me just took on a whole new meaning when I read that. And I've never forgotten it since. So I guess just if you're in a place like that this morning, Jesus cares. He knows what it feels like. And he will help you through that. And I, I thought it would be neat if we could sing the song, How Deep the Father's Love for Us, this morning. Now, if you guys don't mind putting that up, I have, have it on a PowerPoint. This is kind of an anthem for, for our church and at Crosspoint. Amen. His wounds have paid our ransom. And he's not in the grave anymore. He is resurrected. The story doesn't end with Jesus' death. God raised him from the dead. Matthew 28 5 and 6. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. As he said, Come, see the place where he lay. Also Romans 8.34. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Romans 8.11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who, was ra- he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So we read a verse about Jesus, Jesus being resurrected. We also read a verse how that he is interceding for us. And also that the same power that raised him from the dead is available to each one of us to overcome whatever it may be in our lives. Any sin or any temptation or any difficulty that, can come, that comes our way, we have the promise that that same power that raised him from the dead is available for us. And not only is he risen, but he's exalted and ruling over everything. And this, this is probably one of my um, most, I don't know what the word is to describe it, but probably one of my most favorite concepts of Jesus or the realities of Jesus is, is thinking about him exalted over everything. Because of what he endured, God gave him preeminence over anything and over everything. And I think just an example of that is the hostage situation in Haiti. Um, how that the power of God was stronger than the power of Satan. And he delivered them. And there's, I'm sure, many things that happened to them that, that they could testify that the power of God is so much stronger than the power of Satan. Some of my favorite verses about his, about Jesus, his exaltation and what God has given to him to describe his his uh, his glory and his majesty. I think I'll just read them. Revelation 5, verses 12 through 14. And picture this scene in heaven. And someday we'll see this. Uh, but for now, we just have to, to, to imagine what it will be like. 
saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who is slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. What an amazing picture that those verses paint of what's going on in heaven right now. And Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. I'd like to sing the song in closing here of the song, Who is He in Yonder Stall? It's actually not, sorry, it's not in your songbooks. You guys would want to put up that song. And notice how this song touches on almost every every subject that we briefly touched on this morning. It talks about his birth, about the life that he lived, about the awful things he went through in Gethsemane, about what he suffered on the cross, about how he's resurrected. He came from the grave, resurrected from the grave, and how he's exalted today. He's on his throne ruling the world. Amen. So who is Jesus? He's our creator. He's the one prophesied of. He's the baby in a manger. He's the greatest man to ever walk the earth. He's the one who died the most cruel death ever created by man. But he's our risen savior and he's our exalted king. And that's the story. That's what I want to share with you this Christmas season. And he loves you more than you can ever imagine. He has this has taken on a whole new meaning. Sorry, I don't want to keep you guys late, but the love that God has for us. Since I have my own little little boy, uh, I'll just share a quick story. The other night I was taking care of him and trying to put him to bed. And as you men know, it can be a disaster when the wife goes somewhere else. And he did not want to settle down. And finally, I crawled into the crib with him twice. First time was a fail. Second time he settled down like in a matter of minutes. And we were both laying in there and he was curled up against me. And I thought to myself how much I love him. And then I thought that God loves me even way more than I love him. How is that possible? But he loves us way more than we even love our own children. And I guess if there's something that um, I want to leave with you today is that Jesus loves you this Christmas season. He loves you more than you can imagine. And he, he gave his life for us so that we can spend eternity with him someday. So just remember that as you go through this next week. It's a wonderful time, but let's praise him for the sacrifice that he was willing to make and not forget what it's all about. Let's pray. God, we just praise you for for your son and how you gave up your only son to die for us and to come as a baby and suffer a horrible, cruel death. But thank you that he was victorious over death so that we can have victory in whatever we're going through in our lives. So we just thank you for this, praise you for this. Thank you for the week that's ahead of us. We're excited for it, but help us to keep you in the center of it. And so I just pray that you bless each one as we go from here, protect us, and please take us home um, safely to our places again. Pray for the caroling tonight, that you just bless that, that effort and that time, and I pray that people could be encouraged and see you, Jesus. So we just thank you again for your love to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Turn the time back to Sean.